space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of Starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life, a new civilization, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Retrek. I'm Captain Jim, and with me, of course, is Admiral Elliot. What? And Dr. Squee. And uh, just a happy wine and geek appreciation day. So this is perfect. <laughs> it's wine and geek appreciation day. Apparently, it's also towel day on the, thing, oh, the yeah, website where we found this out. So, but it's a Greek appreciation day separately. So, if anyone's watching Hitchhiker's Guide, I'd recommend the TV show. Not yeah, movie, I'd but that's go my with, personal yeah. taste. Yeah, uh, and cracking open a bottle of wine, you are perfectly set for today. But, but talk about Star Trek with us first. Yes, yeah, yeah. We'll we'll try and mention towels as we go through, but um, I don't know how we're going to do that. But we'll try. We'll yeah. try. Oh, come on. The, the engine room would have been a mess after this. They would have had to use several towels, I'm sure. <laughs> so we're talking about Ghosts of Illyria, which is episode three of Strange New Worlds. And, yeah, so we talked about last week. We started with a, a personal log from a horror, and it was an horror episode. And then this week we start with a log from number one, and it's a number one episode, which I think Elliot predicted last week when we said we, whose episode yeah. is going to be. So well done. You get some sort of prize. I'm not sure what, but yeah, well done. Man, just the, oh, the feeling that you <laughs> I'm three episodes in, the feeling that you're getting of those classic setups of mm -hmm. episodes, but with new kind of effects is just, just yeah. wonderful. Like it just yeah. feels so true to the original, but like you can basically do like this one's a lot like the naked now, the naked time, yeah. and yeah. a few other episodes you yeah, are in there. Yeah. But it's it's done with modern effects and with modern sensibilities towards the kind of story you're telling, and it just works perfectly. It doesn't feel old hat, but it feels very reminiscent of something you love. Yeah, so it feels familiar, but it feels it's new at the same time. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's it, it is like a strange new world of an episode. You know? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, it it is using like the tropes. Like, one of the things that people have been critical of of the other series is that it's too serialised, it doesn't do standalone stories, you can't just pick out an episode and go, this is what it's about. Whereas this one, you know, as soon as we're five minutes or so in, you're like, ah, it's going to be a virus one. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I, I know what Star Trek virus episodes are like. and I know what the setup is. People are going to be going there. wacky on the ship again. <laughs> yep, which this is... Yeah. This as is soon as he was looking in a cupboard with flasks, and you could yeah. see the little dots of light dancing around. Yeah, definitely. The only thing that was missing was where was the buzzy sound? The buzzy, yeah. yes. <laughs> you know which I mean, don't yeah, you? Yeah, the TOS one, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I thought, I, I did love the fact that, yeah, I mean, okay, yeah, the focus for this was they were all attracted to light and they needed to be by light and they wanted to be yeah. within the light and all this. The only thing I missed from this is I did love the kind of like I love the episodes where they get their personality altered so they go on wacky things like you know you'd have Scotty obsessed with scotch and fighting and you'd have Sulu wanting to fence everyone. I would love I, I want one like that for this show. I oh, want I them to do another we'll... one of these where they have wacky personality things coming through. Yeah, I think we'll get a wacky personality. So wacky personality doesn't have to be a virus one. See, the naked now were, was was bunching them together. DS9 yeah. did, what was it, Dramatis Persona, and that was like a alien artifact that was trying to take everybody over or something. So Probably one of the weakest one of those, if I had to. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was not a great episode, but Cisco built a clock that he was really yeah. happy with. So. And then it was one of the weakest ones, and then Enterprise went, yeah, we'll copy that one. That'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We'll just have it being Archer's chair as opposed to a clock this time. I can't even remember that episode, but you know what? Oh, I'm not bothered that I don't. The obsession for um, uh, Reed was to design a better chair. A better oh, no, yes. Because yes, he said I it do. just was a little bit uncomfortable because he was sitting forward in it, which was kind of a play on the fact that, you know, um, Kirk, I think, was always sat forward in his chair ready yeah. to kind of go and stuff. And then the solution at the end was he made it like, quarter of an inch shorter you see that it was it. not you see, i don't remember your synopsis as soon as you mentioned my main man reed i'm like oh yes 
Reed's always the character that, that ties the episode together, so... I mean, I don't want to say it, but English, that's what I'm saying. Well, yeah, <laughs> very English as well, so we all talk like yeah. that. Um, so, apart from this opening log sort of tipping us off that this is a number one episode, this is why, and I think we talked about this during Picard season one, going way back then, the logs are a great televisual device for furthering the story it's so easy like you yeah you get number one saying right we're off to this planet it's this species called Illyrians who are into genetic tampering and because of that they're not allowed in the federation yeah um, we've lost contact with this colony and you're like that's brilliant well done and that's in yeah it's taken 30 seconds exactly and we know we've got we know what the stuff yeah where they're there and And what's going on all the way through, you can picture it as an original series episode, like can, that thing yeah. where Kirk and Spock have got caught on the planet. They're up on the ship trying to beam them up. They can't. They're dealing with a virus that came up from the planet. It's perfect. Yeah, yeah, perfect. yeah. It's definitely hitting all the beats, and it, it's very hmm. much in that mold of storytelling. Like you could see this as a, a TOS, a TNG episode. Um, I mean, I know it's only the third episode, but the other two. I think you'd have to make some changes to make it work as an original series episode. This one, pretty much, you just the effects would be different. Yeah, yeah, I would probably go with that. Yeah, um, and then yeah, we we got all this stuff about genetic engineering, and obviously this is going to be a big thing throughout the episode. And what I noticed about this one, watching it through the second time, when you know what the reveals are going to be and everything. There's so much sort of foreshadowing and hints and everything coming up. And it does just cast a new light on it. Like, right at the start, you have um, Pike says, oh, genetic engineering always makes people feel uneasy. Uh, I can see it's affecting you, number one, as well. And, you know, that's just great because the first time through, it's like, okay, it makes everyone uneasy and she's not immune to that. And though she's immune to a lot of things, as we'll find out. But then when you watch it through the second time, you're like, oh, no, there's a different reason she's actually uneasy. And, you know, yeah. it's just great layered writing and it works. And right from the beginning, you get that feeling of, like, uh, again, the eugenics war was from the original series, but, like, they obviously didn't have the social, the same social commentary. So, like, you instantly can see how um, the Federation having this unease with people who are genetically modified, even though... There's good reason for them to be wary. There is some racism implied with this. There is some yeah. kind of oh, yeah. like uh, people being outcast just for how they're born, not for yeah. who they've chosen like, to be. Like uh, with Khan and the arguments, they've got to be something's done to them to alter them after birth. Yeah. To yeah. alter the genetics. And I get the I almost got the impression that the aliens actually alter the genetic thing themselves. Yeah, that That's was what, definitely... Yeah, it, it, said, it's, yeah. it's not actually a medical procedure. It's, it's actually a biological... Oh, yeah, something biological with them that they can yeah. change the genetics. I, I got the idea that they are organically, basically, um, attune themselves with their surroundings. Yeah. So they, they, their biology changes yeah. to, to adapt to their environment. Like, and that got lumped in, which is kind of like, again, it's just kind of... Yeah, because like, what we've seen of the arguments is this... They're stronger and more intelligent. They might be faster, but they don't change the actual physical beings. No, they the things and all that around them, and that seems more like a, a species thing. Like almost seems like it's something biological. The species. I think it's like with the Illyrians, it's sort of an ongoing process. Like the augments, it's they do all this stuff to you, and you become can basically whereas with the Illyrians it's implied sort of oh we go to this planet so we change ourselves again to adapt to that and then we go yeah, there and we change I got like the way how number I would say it with number one later she doesn't do anything to herself medically though to change no she doesn't do you know what I mean it's like it's as if it's the actual species to go to to go somewhere and they physically bio- there's a biological mechanism that's Mm, yeah, species alter. I was. I thought it was more that they 
they they do use genetic engineering to adapt to whatever. Yeah. Like number one, that's uh, what we see is uh, her immune reaction. But we and that's the only place I've got issues with this episode. That I, well, we we talked about it earlier in the week, but we'll get there. Uh, well, I know it's space magic, but um, we'll we'll talk about. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, don't even start me on this. Where his space? I I literally detail what happened, and I was right. And then he goes space magic, and Jim goes, "Well, I think Elliot was right." Did <laughs> <laughs> not detail exactly what happened. I said, "Oh, I think it's because of her proximity. That's where it works. Space magic. Yeah, you got it." <laughs> Well, yeah, but the proximity, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> We're not there yet. Um, and then, it has TOS-style loopholes. Very much so. Yeah. By the way, addressing what you guys were saying, I think uh, genuinely the way they've worded it, you could interpret it either of those ways. I think we'll get more clarity on that. I think we will. And what uh, I found interesting about this is, it, again, it's not canonically, but... It's always been sort of quasi-canonical that number one is not a human, she's an Illyrian. But we've never known what that means, and then and now she we was get originally that. written by Rodendry to be mysterious. Oh yeah. And and it was and one of his early things was that she could be a clone, that's why she's called number one, because she was the first one. Ah yeah. Ooh. That'd have been cool. Ooh. I Which like sort that. of ties into this thing with yeah. the whole genetics yeah. and all that. So, yeah, so it's oh. not like they've gone back to Gene's original sort of synopsis of what number one was meant to be. Yeah. And gone, um, right, we're not gonna quite do that, but we will carry on some of they've it. They've developed it oh. a bit. Yeah, I like that. Oh, that's beautiful. That's yeah, that shows and that's not a coincidence. This this show clearly is doing yeah. a lot of things on purpose yeah. to tell you the original <laughs> series. So that level of research is just lovely. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that clone thing. That's that's really good. So yeah, they've <laughs> taken that as a springboard and they've developed it, which is great. Um then we get everybody beamed up except Pike and Spock. So just really nice, clear storytelling. Okay, this is your B-plot. We've separated off these two. They're stuck yeah. on the planet. The A-plot's going to be on the ship, but we're yeah, going to check um, in with them now and again. And, like, if this was Discovery, you'd now have the A-plot because it's the captain on yes, the surface. Yeah, true. If this was Discovery, them two on the surface, that would be what was the main thing. And you'd get, oh, we've got a disease, cured. <laughs> and and also somehow Michael would have to get back to the ship to resolve the B plot as well because yeah. she has to be the hero of everything. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. She's not okay. a team player. I'm sorry. She's just not. No, she's she's very much not. She's the captain. But well, she wasn't always the captain. She's just. Yeah. No. No. She specifically didn't want to be the captain because she that's never been her. She's not sure if it's ever been. And then suddenly she's captain the next episode. Don't even get me started. Thought you liked season three, that was your favourite. Oh, I love it. <laughs> no, no, series four. No, series three was the one I liked. Series four was the one I didn't. didn't yes, it? that's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Don't you dare touch the season which gave me Admiral Silver Daddy Bear. Oh, Admiral Silver Daddy Bear's awesome. <laughs> it should all be about him. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, an Admiral Silver Daddy Bear's been Because that was him. The Oh, oh, please say, actually, I we've said before about him and Tilly going up. On yeah, the that's what I was going to say. Yeah. That was the best bit of the finale was him yeah, and Tilly. And where you've got the Academy show, which has been at least you know, suggested yeah. that might be coming up, you just get him and stuff. Like, like you know, that's, yeah. that seems yeah, like that's a, a, a win. That's definitely your show. But anyway, we'll, we'll see if that happens. There's going to be so many Star Trek shows we can't move for them. Um, yeah, so they, they beam them up. Ortegas finds Lance smashing his head, which, as you said, Squeed, that's when you go, oh, is this going to be the Everybody Goes Weird episode? <laughs> um, but it's only a very, very brief bit of him banging his head and everything. Yeah, there's a few weird things, though, that people do. Yeah, there is a couple of bits, but it's all to do with light, isn't it? And Because yeah. then we get that scene with number one. And I wonder... That, Serving a dual purpose, really. So the first thing she does is rip a top open. So that's, you know, there will that's be a fine. certain... We like that. Yeah, there will be a part of the audience that's just happy for that, what it is. But also, is this a reference to the fact that Kirk always ripped his shirt? Yeah. <laughs> so I thought maybe it's a little bit of a dig at that as well. Um, Can I just... Yeah, which, sorry, just because... It, it is, it's the Naked Now, isn't it? Yeah. Is it naked Now or Naked Time for TOS? Naked Time. Uh, the Naked... 
Naked Time and uh, Crusher. No, but naked, in Naked Time, like when McCoy's going around injecting everyone at the end to cure them, even then he's gone straight up to everyone else, no problem. But he goes to Kirk and rips his shirt. Yeah, he <laughs> his shirt hasn't been ripped that episode. <laughs> you see, I, I've never thought about maybe the naked now, like the fact that Crusher, um, she pulls her top over. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe that's a reference as well. Yeah, or maybe, maybe it's just a thing. Everybody takes. What is it? Is it hypothermia where you strip your clothes off just before you die because you think you're warm or something? I'm sure I've heard that. I don't know. No, I, don't know. I just particularly remember Crusher in that earlier episode. Uh, Ivan's tub because she's flirting with in, the I'm going to say in that because she's yeah cracking on to Picard, but she'd have had a job on with them, wouldn't she? Like she wouldn't have got. She, what I'm saying, you're not going to show off a lot with them season one jumpsuits. Like, it's, they only went down to <laughs> All I'm saying here. is, when you say she's got a job on and she's flirting with Picard, that sounds like something very different. Okay, yes. Good point. Moving on swiftly <laughs> uh, then. One thing I was going to mention, sorry, you went past when the uh, guy smashed his head yeah, into yeah. the glass and stuff. Sorry, I'm, I'm forgetting the name. The, the helmswoman who's Ortegas. There. Ortegas. Uh, yeah. She is very, very... Modern Earth specific sounding to our yeah. era, yeah. I, I find that a little bit weird. I, it does take me out of it a little bit. I, yeah, she's, was, she's a very um, good actor and it's a fun character, but it's very kind of like she's going, Yeah, let, let your freak flag fly, or however she words yeah, it. That's and a, there's a bit later on where the doctor says, No spoilers, and I'm like, That's a very last five, ten years, ten years probably. Yeah. Phrase like yeah. I, I'm not sure that's gonna stick around for the next hundred years, but this is what annoyed me about like it was Last Jedi out of the new Star Wars films, mm. and they had like uh, they used quite a few expressions in that like uh, oh I think he's tooling you, which the the beauty of Star Trek and Star Wars always was they spoke in a language which was kind of timeless. It didn't date itself too much. Yeah, yeah. I, I was rub up against if they used some slangs very yeah, specifically. From, I thought. Um, Paul Dameron's humour in the Star Wars sequels. Like, there's the bit in uh, The Force Awakens where he's talking to Kylo Ren and he goes, do I talk first or do you talk first? And then there's the bit in Last Jedi where he's like, I'm paging so-and-so, you know, and he's, he's doing the whole bit about... And it's just, that's a very specifically early 21st century sense of humour. And yeah. it, it, it yeah. just feels jarring. So it's like, yeah, that that's a joke that... Wouldn't have played twenty years ago. Probably won't play in twenty years' time. And it, like you um, say, it does just bring you out of it for a moment. Yeah, I mean, at least in the original series, I don't think there's much you can point to, which is like, yeah, okay, the look and the feel of the show is very sixties, mm. but looks come and go. Like, whereas wording seems very specific, usually to a particular era. I just, yeah, I, I just don't like that. But I'll take it. All they have to do is chuck in a line, like like Paris. She's very, she's very obsessed yeah, with the yeah, 21st yeah. century. Yeah. Yeah, just give a line to explain away. It'll be fine. Well, when we find out what tragedy befell when, her family. When she has her, her standalone story, which I reckon will be about episode seven. Oh. So I'm saying it oh. now. <laughs> okay. Okay, while we're here, what are we betting for next episode? Whose episode is it going to be next episode? I... Um, I've got an idea. I've not had major spoilers, but uh, I've got an idea based on some of the things that I know are involved in this next episode. So right. I, I'll I've, set this one I out. don't even know what the next episode's called. I've, I don't I've, know what it's called. I've managed to avoid everything. I nearly opened something the other day on Facebook and I realised and sort of, shut Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm going to go, it's either going to be The Doctor... Or it's going to be Spock because I know like they must be trumping the bin to do a Spock centric, but I'm I'm going to go. I think we're going to do uh, the new engineer. Okay, yeah, yeah. I like him. I like him so far. We've had very little from him, but he's, he's we've had very, a few bits and pieces from him. He's very dry. I like his humour, and I like the fact that he just says things like, "Well, I am a genius." Yeah. yeah. Did you realise as well that guy is uh, genuinely visually impaired? Yes, yeah. I heard so that. Really, yeah, which is really great. It does make you wonder, like, so what makeup are you putting on? Oh, it's just a bit of blusher, mate. Don't worry, don't worry. Like, my family are going to see this. I do love that Baron, but the only thing I do question is, like, if you're going to say, like, right, he's visually impaired, but he senses things so he can basically act as if he's not visually impaired, where does that get us? I wonder what, like, it'd be Mm. interesting to see if they use that in any way, because it's like, if he can basically buy... 
by default C. It's kind of like Daredevil. So yeah, far. well, yeah, but Daredevil he had interesting ways. Like he had a second, you know, secret persona, mm. which is why that made that a feature of it. How does that manifest to actually be, yeah. be something? You uh, know, wh wh where, why, why is he visually impaired but he can see anyway? What I, does that actually give us in the plot? I presume that that'll be explored and we'll... Yeah. They'd be remiss if they didn't put him in situations where he needs his sight, you know, and... Yes. and I'm not saying that if we're presenting a character with any sort of disability that we have to play up that disability, but no. from a storytelling point of view, you've got to do something with it. Otherwise, well, like it's you just, say... Yeah. It's, it's the thing of... Um, I forget who said it, but um, some playwright said, I think my mama or something, but like if you introduce a gun in the third scene, that it better be shot in the third... You know, or pointed at someone in the third scene. So if you're going to introduce a plot point, yeah. you then have to pay that off. Again, I'm not saying anyone's disability has to be like a freak show or no, something. I'm like, we don't want to use it like that, but it's just... Especially on a Star Trek podcast that you didn't correct, correctly identify the playwright as Chekhov who said that. Oh, of course. So, of course. You, you know what I mean. Any other podcast, I'd let that go, but come on. <laughs> true, 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 true. It's just, uh, yeah, again, you're, you're right. They shouldn't exploit someone's uh, disability, but it's like... If you're going to give someone a disability, then nullify a disability. Yeah. What's hey. that then there for? You know, it's like, I, yeah. I think what the way they're going to probably do it, I, I, I actually wouldn't be surprised if they do it the opposite way around. So they get in a situation where they're in pitch black, no one else can see, and he's the one who can yeah, yeah, that because he's not relying on his eyes. Yeah, yeah that works as well, yeah. But it's not to be no good if it says that you've got to cut the blue wire or we all blow up. <laughs> Let's yeah. it can sense the blueness I, of it. I can sense blue, <laughs> Yeah. Um, so the rest of the team there, number one, really, I mean, this is one of them where you don't really know what's going on the first time. But watching it back, it's like, OK, so number one's immune system has kicked in. It's destroyed the infection. She knows she's fine, but she can't reveal that to anyone else because that'll expose her secret. Yeah. But she it's needs so to check good. up on the rest of the team. Because it's one of those ones where it's like it feels like um, in a really good way they've got something over you. So all the way through you're going, well, why wouldn't she yeah, just why, tell uh, why them that she... she's experiencing that? This is ridiculous that she wouldn't just say. And then yeah. at the end of the reveal, it's like... Exactly. Like... And there's another, like, just another little bit that, again, I think the first time you go through, you're like, oh, that makes sense. But they make a big thing out of it saying, well, the, the transporter filter would have filtered it out and... You just think, oh, that's just your standard Star Trek. That's there because the audience will be going, well, hang on, the transporters yeah, have got filters. Why is the biofilter not working? And yeah. the fact that that then becomes something much, much bigger later on, I think, is brilliant. And, talking and also, it kind of, kind of answers why they've got, at least for storytelling reasons, why they've got a transporter in sick. Yes, it does. Whereas that's yeah. never been there before. Like, I still want a good in. Uh, in world reason why they have a transporter in the medical bay when they don't usually. It would be nice to have I, that. Actually, it makes, actually it makes a lot of sense to have a transporter. In well, the it does, it does yeah. but it doesn't make sense that we don't have one in any other show or any other... We also... Um, you know what yeah. I mean? And this one they can get away with, as in we just didn't see it before, but, oh, I've had to open the emergency extra bit of sick bay that's half the size of the bloody ship by the look of it, you know. <laughs> We never needed that in the original series. Or what about in Naked Time when everybody were dying? No, we didn't need it. Shush. It's fine. <laughs> um, but I do wonder... In the redesigned cutbacks were made. <laughs> yeah. I do wonder, um, going back to the emergency transport, or whether this storyline will answer the question of why it's not there on Kirk's Enterprise. I wonder if the, the culmination of this storyline oh. will in some way necessitate it being taken out. Um, I don't know. There's a good well, line. It does seem to have affected um, the main transporter's biofilter in an yeah, emergency. Not quite sure how that works either, but I'm not an engineer, so I'm, I'll. However, Hemmer. Yeah, here. and then the solution was to get power directly from the warp core, which I, again, I don't I think, quite understand how that resolves it. I, I think, think it's a genius in your where to dump yeah. and things like that. Well, obviously, I just want a Heisenberg compensator or something I like, like that. I think it did go, I'm directing power from all over the ship. 
Uh, we did see your, the lights go out in the corridors as you did the we did, yeah. Day, which I thought was... But, I mean, yeah, we'll talk about it at the end when we get to the, the Doctor in the transporter, but um, there's a bit then where Hema is talking to number one and he says, I can sense that expression. And she says, oh, I know. I just thought that was a great <laughs> little bit of interplay between them. That's nice. Then another one of these great where you realise what's going on the second time through, she's got this bit, I'm researching Illyrians. And she's looking into it and she's reading up on it. And it's like, well, yes, she is researching Illyrians, but she's also trying to understand what happened with her and the virus and whether she can use that to help the other people. So it, it's another great scene that works on two, two sort yeah. of levels. And Lan, 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 I'm just going to say Lan from now on. I'm going to, as if I'm saying L-A-R-N until I'm told otherwise. So Lan comes in and they oh, finally... Oh, sorry, do you mean Lan? That's who I mean. <laughs> and sorry, sorry. They, they finally talk about Khan, which is appropriate, given this episode we're talking about genetic engineering and things like that. So I'm glad that they addressed that. Yeah, um, there's a lot of talk that we're going to get a Khan series yeah, or a eugenic series. Yeah, I'm wondering actually, because Nicholas Mayer says that he's got a script for six episodes yeah. of Khan on Seti Alpha 5. Well, when they first brought Star Trek back and they were talking yeah. shows, it was one of the shortlisted shows, wasn't it, that we were going to do? Yeah. But that, it's sort of gone back and back as... Well, I'm wondering, because we talked about are they going to do the eugenics wars, the birth of Khan, blah, blah, blah. You could mesh those two things together and have Khan on set here, have it as a parallel story, like Godfather Part 2, you know, so have Khan surviving in the wilderness, interspersed with Khan being created, the eugenics wars, and you, yeah. you can do all that. But if you've got Six hours of TV written by the guy who directed Star Trek 2 and Star Trek 6. You don't just leave those on a hard drive somewhere like that. <laughs> I guarantee you that'll be good stuff. So yeah. we need something doing with Yeah, that. you've got the guy who wrote the two, be or two of the best Star Trek movies. Yeah. Mind you, may, may I just offer this? The genius behind Star Trek, Gene Roddenberry, uh, uh, may the great bird of the galaxy swing over him majestically um and from from things we heard it sounds like he may not have he may have had some uh challenges to his genius later on yeah and I sometimes think... someone can go off the boil so i hope i hope that's not the case because like you say not. wrote some of the best well, star trek films but it's not always great when you revisit study space to do the war of khan he saw it was a great story and if he's sort of makes Gone to the next. Mm -hmm. Say you drop the roll from Canon's one book and then he's finished a trilogy. <laughs> yeah, that's Yeah, be I hope so. But, but again, when we're talking about trilogies, it makes me think of George Lucas and the movie. <laughs> it's going to be a little nervous. <laughs> uh, his first trilogy didn't miss a beat. That's my point, though. His first trilogy didn't. His second one, which he wrote years later, yeah. missed a beat. <laughs> oh. I, I'm just saying, some people, sometimes they're geniuses at one stage, but then when they try and recreate it, it doesn't. Just yeah. complete tangent, but in preparation for the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, I watched episode three again. Oh, dear. Like oh, just the hills are alive at the beginning. It, oh, why? Or is that the second well, one? That's the second one. Um, but, I mean, episode three is the best of the prequels. I will hand on heart say that. But it is still... so. The last half hour is great, where you get the lightsaber fight, yeah. and that's fine. But there's so much dialogue in between that's oh yeah anyway um i got the feeling number one was maybe gonna talk to lan about herself in this scene but then lan gets the whole oh i like the light and it's one of them where you're like oh was she gonna was she gonna confide in yeah. her there maybe mm. but then they have to do a lockdown and it's weird isn't it like we've seen star trek do virus episodes so many times but the fact that you they're doing it now and we're so familiar with all this stuff, like we need to do a lockdown, we've got to have contract uh, tracing set up. And it it's just so weird now hearing that terminology 
And Apparently, at one stage, there. when the virus was just kind of coming out a little bit, they had, um, whereas they had the engine room and sick bay on tier three, apparently the bridge was on tier one, so they were fine. Yeah, bridge was on tier yeah. one, and yeah. I think yeah. um, Pike had, like, a meeting to say goodbye to a few crew members, and they, they had a few <laughs> glasses of wine and stuff like but that. It but it was a business meeting in the red room. It was a we were surprised one that none of us had heard about four days later. Yeah, and, yeah. but... Um, he can't comment on that it. Went, because, that went until the following morning. Yeah, about 4 30, yeah. I think. And um but I think though at the minute Captain Pike has said they can't comment on it because Admiral April's doing an investigation and <laughs> yeah. Admiral April can't publish the results of the investigation until Starfleet Security have looked into it. And uh, it's all very complicated, but um Apparently, security officers were being insulted openly yeah, as they were walking yeah. past. I mean, oh, the, I'm surprised. I'm surprised you can say anything at the moment because there's an inquiry going on. Yeah, pe- people <laughs> people were shouting at the replicators. They were shouting yeah. at the automatic thing that beams all the rubbish out of there. <laughs> I could just picture Sue Grade coming in a shuttlecraft out to the front <laughs> of the Enterprise, like waving the document through the window. Spock came back with a suitcase that were clinking at about midnight and. <laughs> All sorts of stuff. Anyway, Spock. So Spock and Pike, they work out that the the Illyrians basically decided to de-engineer themselves so that they could join the Federation, um, which is, we ultimately find out that that led to their downfall. They couldn't fight off the virus Mm. because of that. And this sort of gets Pike thinking, you know... the extremes that they'll go to and that all ties in with number one. You so know, that, 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 that very bit where they realised that they um, uh, de-modified themselves and all this, like, I really hope this is the perfect setup. I really want a sequel episode to this. I think there's so much rich stuff they laid down. And, of oh. course, laying down the stuff with number one. They have to, and I, I think they have to use this example mm-hmm. of how someone tried to change themselves to please Starfleet and that led to this. I, I think yeah. this is just so I rich. I think it's got to do. And ultimately, we don't know what number one's fate is. We know by the time we get yeah. to the menagerie that Pike's still there and Spock helps him. But where's number one? Why didn't she want to help him? You know, do they have a falling out? Where does she go? So, you know, we've yeah. got a lot of rich backstory for number one to explore. And also... The augments are mentioned in how they're outlawed in the future of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mention more widely like other races which use no, it genetic modification. It's specific to the augments and like with Bashir even, it's it's specific to him it's, being genetically modified in that way. It's interesting because the Federation is always, you know, presented as an ideal, but they do seem to have these knee-jerk reactions like Right, things, yeah. we'll, we'll ban all genetic engineering. Oh, that thing happened on Mars. We'll ban all synthetic life forms, and it <laughs> it it shows that it it's at least it's consistent, if nothing else, you know. But and that's wonderfully human. I I'm really glad they include that. Mm. Like, okay, we're out there. We're doing so much better than we do in this day and age. But we still make mistakes. We still have to learn. We still have to do yeah. better. You know, the whole next generation story, basically, if you look at it, especially with now Picard, the whole story of Q kind of putting uh, humanity on trial, that's all about how we're never done. We're just doing better. And I oh, love that. Absolutely, that yeah. yeah. It's so hopeful, but it also still says, don't stop learning humanity. You're not yeah. going to crack it. We're... You'll just get better as you go. Yeah, we're not the finished product yet. No way. And we never will be. <laughs> no, that's, exactly. That's great. Yeah. Uh, Mabenga then again just one of these little tiny bits that you only pick up the second time through he's really adamant that Hemmer does not look at his emergency transporter and again the first time through you're like okay he's rushed off his feet he just can't be bothered with all of this And whereas once you find out what's going on it's just a yeah. nice nice little detail and Hemmer getting pissed off with him was really nice yeah. like just like, fine I'll be off then. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like he's I mean, a pissed off girlfriend or something. I'm enjoying him very much at the minute. Um, yeah. I mean, to be fair, they could just keep him as that, just witty lines every now and again, but I suspect there's a lot more to come. No, I, I, I honestly think all these main because ca- we have got a lot of main cast oh, yeah. And 
I think we're going to get at least one story on each of them as the main characters. I can't see why something. not. We've got ten and, episodes. And, and it is, and I've, I've said it previously already with Strange Worlds, but it seems like they've learnt the mistakes of Discovery mm-hmm. and they're letting us know that who yeah. the crew are. It's too late for Discovery now. Yeah, unless they... Discovery, I think it'll get this last season and I think they'll let it finish. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, the the thing with Discovery is the characters that they have developed, they have developed them really well. It's just that there's so many ancillary characters that we know absolutely nothing about, you know. Um, Yeah. Um, and the thing is, I, I kind of would love the engineer to be this sort of like, I feel like he's very set up to be the McCoy. Yeah, of yeah, Strange yeah, yeah. yeah. I think he could fit into that role very nicely, not as a copy of McCoy, because I'm glad, like, when they did Pulaski and it was, it was kind of was just a no, carbon were, copy of the ideas yeah. of McCoy, they, they put him in a different role. They, he's a different part of the show. His, his acerbic wit is different to McCoy's, but it's certainly a parallel to mm. McCoy's kind of uh, role in the show. I think that'd be very nice. Yeah. And then Hemmer, he goes a bit crazy and you get this sequence where he's trying to beam a bit of the planet core into the transporter room. (laughs) And this reminded me of, do you remember the Danny Boyle film, Sunshine, with Killian Murphy, where they've got to go reignite the sun? And that has a sequence with a guy who's in, they're in the ship and it's facing the sun and he keeps going into the observation bay and he keeps, like, there's a filter, and he keeps going, oh, do me the filter at 10%, and the computer's like, no, because that'll burn you to a crisp, you idiot. And he's like, okay, well, try it at 20%. And he keeps sort of upping it and upping it, and um, spoilers for 30-year-old, 20-, 30-year-old film, whatever, he ends up just basically sitting and looking at the sun and gets incinerated. And it just reminded me of that a little bit. I just wonder if... Maybe someone's seen that because it, what Hemmer's doing here is very similar to what I that guy does. That DVD, actually. Uh, I, I love film. the extent of the craziness, though. It's like, because, I mean, I, again, just thinking back to The Naked Now, when you've got Wesley comes down to the engine room, you've got one of the engineers just playing with the isolinear chips. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's basically just got to rearrange them quickly. Yeah, this that time, guy, or is he? Yeah, <laughs> <shoving them. laughs> Yeah, oh, that guy's performance was so yeah, it was. childlike. It was so much fun. I just can picture him right now. So good. But in this one, you've got people literally bashing their head through yeah. uh, glass. And that's the least of the reaction. You've got um, the engineer trying to beam a bit of the planet score. Yeah. And then you get at the end, um, uh, oh, La'an trying to... Um, uh, Ignite the warp. Yeah, get the warp. These are pretty high high stakes. They are, aren't they? And Hemmer, you see, going back to your point, maybe they could have done more with it this episode because instead of him being like, right, well, I can't see, so what I've got to do is get a load of heat because I know there's light or whatever. Yeah. You you could have had a thing of him just going completely insane. So he's like, I need light, but I have no way of seeing the light. You know, maybe, I mean, there's a lot going on this episode, so another subplot probably wouldn't have. But maybe we could have done something there. Um, Then Spock has a good line, going back to the B-plot for a minute. Uh, The creatures come in and they basically protect them. And before they're doing that, they're sort of... Spock's got this basically like a... It looks like a capsule, but it's all the reports and everything. And Pike says something like, oh, can you fire a laser out of that? And he says, I am arming us with knowledge, Captain. I thought that was a very (laughs) spot. I liked it when he first had that, and he tells the captain, he goes, I believe this is the last day records that they made before they disappeared. (laughs) And uh, Pike goes to him, good, well, hurry up and you might have a chance to read. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's, yeah, it's good that we're getting, I mean, I don't want it to be just a total replay of Kirk and Spock's relationship, but you do need to be getting that they've got a relationship. Yeah, which they absolutely have to do for Spock to risk everything to save Pike come the yeah. menagerie. So I'm liking what they're doing with it. This was also for me like one of the best uh, delineations of where Spock's USP is here. Because mm. if you're going to make Spock more emotional in this, you have to set the stall up for. You know what his USP is as a character. I feel, mm-hmm. and I felt like you got a bit more of it here. Whereas in other episodes, 
because they were like this motion show more, it kind of made him a bit more similar to other characters, and I kind of mm. lost a bit of spot for me. I, I like this one a bit better. I think they they struck that balance a bit more. Yeah, I thought, as I said, that line I thought was very very Spock. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then, then we get to the revelation. So, number one admits that she's an Illyrian and a blood saved her. But the twist is, this is my understanding of it, is that her blood is well, not her blood. Uh, her immune system is genetically altered, so they immediately identifies a virus, destroys it. But because it does it so well and so quickly, if you don't catch it immediately, all the antibodies are gone. So they can't synthesize anything from her blood yes. at this point. Yeah, that's that's yeah, that's what the doctor says. Basically. So that's, that's where, what I go as well. That's yeah. where we're going with that. And then Lan tries to take down the warp containment field, and this is where the space magic comes in because the radiation comes out. So radiation's not a virus, so your body's response wouldn't be exactly the same. But never mind. So well, a body changes. Number one's immune system kicks in. And the body changes her from the radiation. To be, to radiation Somehow this transfers to Lan and she glows red as well, I noticed. Because and the doctor says Space magic. The well, the doctor <laughs> says her proximity to Lan triggered chameleonic. I thought it was a Nurse Chapel. Nurse Chapel, sorry, yes. Uh, the proximity triggered a chameleonic immuno response. I, yeah, clear as that. I'll be honest, I'm not happy with this. I mean, you know, it's not. Yeah, a I, it, Nurse Chapel was quick enough to get a sample from her yeah. to synthesize a cure for everyone else. Yes. Even and why they didn't... that good. But the thing it was curing wasn't the thing they're trying to cure. But my understanding of that was... This magic. No, no, no. No, no <laughs> this one isn't magic because the cells... I think the use of chameleonics is important. So I think it's basically number one cells will adapt to anything and fix anything. And because Lan duplicated them, they managed to get them out of her body because it takes her body longer Right. To fight things off. So I get that. What I don't get is how just standing nearer transferred it. Otherwise, yeah, what, what? like the, you know, when we all got us COVID jabs and stuff and you were queuing hours, we could have just all stood in the line and the guy <laughs> on the end <laughs> could have had it done yeah. and it would have just gone down the line. <laughs> yeah, because for me, I, like, I, I did get what they were saying was that it was the proximity. Yeah, yeah, was, I did. I, I, I but think. I, but the only thing I would say is that. I think they should have just said because Lan's also genetically engineered, she had similar properties. That would have been it. That would have been a nice, easy fix. And but then she both she isn't really. It's a lot of generations okay, later. Okay, descended yeah. from them. Maybe there's something in her uh, DNA which yeah. you know, carries forth. It's so random that this strand happened to kind of or continue down the line. If said something about you know yeah. Illyrians radiator, it doesn't just stay internally. It it's a yeah. defense mechanism and it's designed to cure other people around you and it just seems to me when you've got two genetic I wonder someone is like, like what, I wonder if it's like, something to do with like related. what we saw on the planet, how the Illyrians gathered round in mm -hmm. um, Spock and they protected them from the ion storm yeah. by being around them. And I wonder if it's something like that. that it does seem to be. That yeah. number one's done something similar. She's sort of gone like that in front of yeah. Yeah. Loran, and she's protected her. Yeah, yeah. no, I mean, I, that's obviously yeah. what they were going for, and that, that's fine. It just doesn't... It could have done with just a little bit more well, propping yeah. up. Yeah, I'm still sticking with space magic. Oh, yeah, I'm I agree. That. That, 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 it, I, it's, I, it's one of those things. It's a plot hole. That you'd find in TOS. Yeah, probably. I, I mean, it's just, like, just... It's like when you go... And I'm, I'm sure that they've said it in the original series and have gone, some things you just can't explain. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, I would just say that, I mean, what Elliot's saying with the thing about the, yeah, like extending her kind of aura of protection around... 
but they didn't really explain it like that. Like no, that does make sense, but they didn't explain it like that. And also for me, you just, it's just the fact that you've got, sorry, I don't know why I'm beaming out right now, but the fact that you've got um, two people, one yeah. who is genetically modified, one who's related to genetically modified people. It seems like that's just an inbuilt excuse for it, why it works. Yeah, it's like it you couldn't just say, yeah. she's got something left from that. Yeah, it's excuses. residual uh, augmentation that. Yeah. And you know what? Yeah. I'll withdraw all. Easy explanation. I'll, yeah, yeah, I'll withdraw all these criticisms if that is a development somewhere further down the line. Um, but as such, it's just a bit weird. Like, uh, as such, it's a, it's a big plot hole. And you know, I can live with it. it. It's not re- it's not sufficiently explained in the episode. No. And so I stick I am sticking to my guns, space magic. Oh, I agree with you. And you know, again <laughs> though, I think as I said last week, this is one of those things where if Discovery did this, there'd be a million and one YouTube videos telling us why oh. it's the worst TV show ever, because how dare they do this? But anyway. Um yes, so what else do we get? Oh, yeah. So this is where we get the... She talks to Pike about it. And I really like Pike's reaction, which is just, well, I don't care where you come from. Yeah, you're the best uh, first officer in Starfleet. Yeah. Why would I want to get rid of you? Yeah. And <laughs> I really like that. Which, <laughs> there was this one line which I felt was a bit almost Kirk-esque. I, like, it, it, it felt a little bit sexist to me, where it's like... You let me worry about Starfleet sugar tits. Like, I mean, okay, it didn't say sugar tits. But no, it didn't. It, it, it felt a little bit, you know, you just let me worry about Starfleet <laughs> little lady. interesting I didn't read it that way, but the, the way I read Maybe it was Pike's like, well, I've only got 10 years anyway, so, you know, if, <laughs> if any shit's going to come, it can all come to me, sort of thing. That was bad. Yeah. I'd take your point. I just, I just wonder if being, maybe it would I be just more... think he was being captured, a good captain and going, look, oh, you, I just you, maybe, I'm, I just I'll wonder... look out for you. I'll fight your case. Yeah, but it was the way he worded it. I guess I just maybe like just something more inclusive might have been was like, we'll face Starfleet together. Like, you know, I'll, or I'll, I'll, I will fight your case. Like something like that's a bit more inclusive than it's like, yeah, you know what I, I mean? Know what you mean. And it's, I uh, it's the optics of a male character saying it to a female character that, that that interpretation sort of lends itself, I suppose. Exactly. And I, I wonder, I mean, maybe it is a purposeful, because I do like the fact that they almost do nods to the way the original series did things, even if they were less than ideal. It's almost like a little play on it. And I wonder mm. if, I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much of that. And the, there is an interesting bit where she does the log at the end. And I like that even though, you know, it's clear to see that Pike is the greatest guy that's ever lived, but that she does question that in the log. Like, she says, well, what if I wasn't the greatest first officer in the fleet? And what if I wasn't... And she uses the phrase, one of the good ones. And yeah, that's a really interesting idea. I mean, I think the answer from Pike specifically would be, yeah, he don't, he don't care. You know, if you'd not saved all them people, it... It's still not an issue, you know. But yeah, I but think that speaks more to the wider conflict, yeah, confl- a, a wider context than Pike himself. Exactly, so that's uh, the which thing. is really nice. Yeah, Pike's the best. You know, they, they said in Discovery, like you know, that's why we didn't bring you into the yeah. walls. We need the best um, to rebuild if we lost, kind of thing. So, of course, Pike's going to take that attitude regardless of whether you're one of the good ones in inverted commas or not. But other people might not. And much like Cisco does in, in The Pale Moonlight, she deletes the log at the end. And this always makes me think, like, yeah, bollocks. Like, you, you're not... The, there's a Zuckerberg somewhere in Starfleet who's reading all these logs listening to I don't care if you delete it. Somebody's got access to these logs. Go away. Well, I, I think they'd have a have to have a reason to want to audit the logs. Like that would be an interesting plot <laughs> point for the future. Like someone is doing an audit and they find some deleted files. Like that would yeah, be a really interesting way yeah, to have a if it's personal logs. There's no way. It's like it's a ship log. It's like she's. It's almost like you're writing your diary page. And it True, but it's going on the computer. There is no way Starfleet can't listen to that. If... And yeah, how how many times have we had like? Um, 
I mean, I can think of when um, Picard discovered, was it the sister ship to the Enterprise, uh, Dean? Oh, yeah. The, and and he, like, I mean, that's just one example, but, like, there's so many times when they've listened to personal logs after something's happened. And when the Klingons yeah. play Kirk's personal log back at uh, uh, that was trial. Was recorded that was because Valaris recorded it, yeah. yeah. But... Um, but then why delete it if you're that confident that a personal log's personal? You don't need to delete it, number one. Yeah. Um, and also, can I just say... Maybe, the it's just, that... maybe it's that thing where you just need to say something out loud to get it off your chest. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. And maybe. then you think, right, I've said it. I feel better for having said it. Could well be. I do that online all the time. now it's gone. I don't want to have it come back and listen to it. Yeah, sometimes... Sometimes when a troll comment online really annoys me or just someone doing a really obviously just stupid kind of comment, I'll write a comment and then delete it without saying yeah, it because yeah, I don't want to do, I don't want to engage, but I yeah, feel better that. for having written it. Yeah. Yeah. And then the doctor. Oh, so can I, oh, can, can I just quickly, the, the end of that episode, that scene going into the doctor scene, I did love the little uh, dissolve they did. Like they, yeah, that the, was really good. It's almost like the um, the sets are captured. The, the yeah, the transition they did between the just two. Just a really things. nice transition. But yeah, we find out that the Doctor has in fact got his daughter stored in the pattern buffer and that's why he's a little bit touchy about it. And I think what you if were saying about... If he's not careful, he'll, he'll deteriorate if he's not good at... Well, it says that he keeps regenerating her every so... You know, beaming her. You've got to beam her back every so often so that... That, yeah. And again, that's another one where they've known that people will go, well, what about Scotty? That deteriorated. And so they've put in a line where it says, oh, you've just got to, you've just got to beam them in every so often. So they get away with that. It's, it's an interesting concept. It's an interesting idea. And again, I think that this is going to feed into why Mabenga's not the chief medical officer. I think maybe... Yeah, he's going to get demoted for it. Either get demoted or he gets his daughter back and says, you know, I, I want more free time to spend with my yeah. daughter. Uh, I, I don't want the res- thing. I don't I want the responsibility. It'd be maybe, why yeah. he's no longer the chief medical officer, which would make sense with what he's doing. Yeah. But... He's not getting kicked out of Starfleet, but he's got to take a demotion. Yeah. But there's a nice um, sort of synergy between the two storylines as well. You've got number one confines confides her secret to Pike, and then she in turn learns the Doctor's secret and yeah. has the same approach to it. She's like, no, I'm not going to turn you in. You know, I'm going to help you. And, yeah, we'll see where it all goes, but I liked it. It gives Mabenga a bit more depth than we thought it had. She could use space magic on his daughter. She could use a space. In fact, why didn't she do that? Although, just just, just one thing. When they were saying about like uh, how this was... So basically it's an old transporter and that's why it didn't work as well. He didn't it's, let it's, them like, update it. So why don't they just, when he's, she's being materialised, replace it with a new one, dematerialise could, it. Could do that, yeah. Could do that. Maybe, just, they, just, ma- maybe they will do now. It just seemed like their solution was to get more power from warp core. Well, I think what they're doing is like giving him an independent circuit so that it doesn't cut out yeah. and doesn't interfere with anything else. Um, yeah. I can't remember, but didn't we earlier in this ep- not of this episode? Didn't we in the comet episode? Didn't they power absolutely everything down? So won't that turn the transporter off? Mm. No, but but he had an emergency power supply, which he just doesn't mention here. Right, but then why does he need the power from the warp drive that number one gives him? Because it... shut the hell up, Jim. Okay. That's why. Okay, I will do. <laughs> yeah, you might have a point there. I, don't, I mean, <laughs> and, and plus, I, it means I, I, every other time there's a power out on the ship, which they I, use in Star Trek all the time. You've got to have a MacGuffin for why it doesn't affect. The well, no, it's the, they've said this warp drive thing now, so it's like in Voyager where they said, "Oh, the holodecks run off a separate grid, which is why we can piss about in holodecks all the time, even though <laughs> we need all yeah, the energy yeah. to the warp drive." So, yeah, I'm happy with it now. They've addressed it. It's just it immediately makes me go, "Oh, but didn't they turn everything off?" The other mm. wait, man. you know what? We'll retcon it. As soon as he knew they were turning it all all off, he he beamed her. 
Did they turn everything all off though? Or I can't remember. Just not use anything. Ah, good question. It's like them lights that you get that say turn yeah. off when like, not in use. You're like, well, if it's not in use, it is turned off, isn't it? But then I, I'm wondering why someone on the bridge wasn't going, um, hang on, we're still getting power drain from sick bay. Yeah, well, um, you know. Like, it, doesn't sick bay have its own power supply anyway for emergency use? Okay, that's actually possible. That's yes, good, that probably like is the that. case, yes. That makes sense because they would right. need to for medical. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. let's go with that. It, it oh. makes sense for sick bay to have its own emergency, its own emergency power supply. And that's why... So maybe in normal use... Be- Drawing from the main ship power, but in emergencies, it's rich as over. And yeah. that's why Dr. Mbenga let three patients die to let his, his daughter live. It's a very sad story, really. <laughs> oh, they just died. What? But, but didn't the, um, you know, mountain... He only caught his finger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's all that happens. Oh, sorry, just the biobeds all went down in, in the world. Ooh, I don't know what happened. Space rabies, really nasty, really nasty stuff. <laughs> And also, it'd be remiss if I didn't bring up the fact that Number One has now got magic blood and everybody were very unhappy about that in Into Darkness, you know. It's worth pointing out. I, I think the way it was... You know, I've got other issues with Into Darkness. Oh, right? yeah, I mean, you know, it could be... I did there. have one thing that I was upset about with this episode. Go on. When they were having... The- Problems with the transporter when they were trying to beam them up at the beginning. Mm. And it was just sort of powering down and then back up. Why didn't we get the flashes and the smoke coming out like we did in the original Oh, series? yeah, that would have been cool. Especially when they finally brought them up. It should have done that so they couldn't bring Pike and... Yeah, that would have been good. And then you could have had... Because like... it was always a big thing, wasn't it, with Scotty? It's like, oh... You're gambling on a delicate piece of equipment here. Yeah, and then, then he could have opened his little cupboard in the wall and started, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I've just thought of an argument against the, the magic space blood. Sorry, magic blood. Um, with the case of number one, she's got to be in close proximity under specific situations. With Khan's blood, if you've got enough of it, you could just cure everything, anyone of anything. Uh, so there's true. A, okay, there's yeah. There's a delineation. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Maybe Lance got a residual magic blood is from Khan, exactly. That's what yeah. I think why, they should say. Is why she had the chameleon effect. Yeah, because yeah, I mean once basically uh in fact like the way they word in this episode is actually a really good argument why this works a bit better because they've said as soon as she's cured herself, it destroys the thing mm. to the point whereby they can't replicate, whereas with Khan's blood, they could just take as many vials as they want to cure anyone of anything. Yeah. That that's a bit more it was a bit shifty. Like, I think you always, if you're going to do um, magic blood, you've got to uh, write in a limitation to it, which they did. Yeah, you absolutely have a limitation on it. Yeah. 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 Nor did they with how far you could beam people. The Kelvin universe is so much better than the regular universe. (laughs) There's so much. Let's face so it, it all gets back things. to Kryptonite with Superman. Okay, he's so super powerful. What could ever stop him? Kryptonite. That's why you invite Kryptonite. You've got to invent yeah. the limitation yeah, you to your to. superhero. So next week then, did we decide whose episode it's going to be? I think it's going to be Hammer. I've said the Doctor. Right, okay. We'll see. I won't <laughs> comment uh, as... And I've said that uh, we're going to get... Uh, what's the name who flies it? Ortegas. Ortegas, episode seven. Episode seven. Oh, my, my guess for episode seven is they're not going to be able to wait any longer to do a Spock-centric. I know they're itching at the bit to do it. <laughs> well, that, but that could be the week after, so that's not seven. Yeah, that could be five or six. No, I reckon I reckon next episode is going to be a, another a new character, mm-hmm. and then they're going to go to an old character. So they've done a horror. They want to do a couple ones with new characters, and then they'll go back to a, uh, uh, okay, a legacy well, we'll character. We'll see. We'll see. See, so we've had number one. This time, that's why I think we'll do a couple of new characters in a row. Yeah, I mean, number one is pretty much a new character. Okay, yeah, she was she in is. the cage, but let's face no, it. But she was also in Discovery. Yeah, she was. I'm a just saying, bit. she's basically a lesser thing. It's like. But we're we, talking we about. Had Spock uh, number one and Pike in Discovery. I know we had more of Pike and Spock, but. And my argument to that is like, you've got two episodes or like a handful of episodes at best, like maybe three or four episodes maximum that you've used number one and before. Total. Whereas with Spock, you've got so many episodes, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Pike is a is a lot more explored. Number one is still pretty much virgin territory. Mm-hmm. 
So I think that about does us for that one. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on Facebook, search for Retrek. You can find us on Twitter at RetrekPod or you can email us RetrekPod at gmail.com. Dr. Squee, you've got the Dr. Squee show. I do indeed. Yesterday we spoke to um, some producers behind Bond. Uh, to be honest with you, the podcast sort of gone by the wayside. To be honest with you, it was just a too much hassle to put it together. So you've just got the video on the radio show now. So listen to me and whichever guests. Uh, hopefully we're going to either be bringing you Bond Girls or the Alara Lowcast, which still haven't been released on, uh, Excellent. on the Dog Squee show in the next uh, couple of weeks. Um, so yeah, please tune in on Tuesday at 6pm, uh, sw20radio.co.uk. That's UK time, 6pm, so whatever time it is in your... Whatever time, time, plus or minus. It could be the next yeah, day yeah. somewhere. Ooh. It could be indeed. Those Australian time-travelling convict bastards. <laughs> and we've just lost it. <laughs> Thanks for trekking with us this time, and we'll see you next time on The Retrek. Thank you. LLAP. Bye-bye.